0: The Water Values Podcast is sponsored by the following market-leading companies and organizations. By Black and Veatch, building a world of difference. By CanDo, providing actionable insights from utility wastewater data to improve environmental and public health. By Woodard and Curran, high-quality consulting engineering, science, and operations services. By Interra, innovation and stewardship for a sustainable tomorrow by Xylem, Let's Solve Water, and by the American Water Works Association, dedicated to the world's most important resource. This is Session 203.
1: Welcome to the Water Values Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to water utilities, resources, treatment, reuse, and all things water. Now here's your host, Dave McGibson.
0: Hello and welcome to another session of the Water Values Podcast. As my daughter Sarah said, my name is Dave McGimsey and thank you for joining me. Well, I hope you're all having a great start to the holiday season. Happy holidays to all of you. As long-time listeners know, the first episode of December usually features a guest involved with a charity, and we remain true to that this year in a big way in this episode, Charity Water's Chief Global Water Officer, Christoph Gorder, joins us to discuss Charity Water, its mission, and much, much more. Christoph's going to knock your socks off, so just stay tuned. It is a ter- He does a terrific job in this interview. Uh, but before we get to the interview, uh, we always begin with a hearty thank you to our sponsors. Again, the sponsors of the 2021 season for the Water Values podcast include Black and Veach, Can Do, Woodard and Curran, intera xylem and the american waterworks association and and i'd like for you to do me a favor if you would please if you work for or with any of these sponsors thank your boss thank your contact of the sponsor firm and tell them you appreciate their leadership in the industry through the sponsorship that little act of kindness will go a long ways of expressing your your thanks and gratitude it goes a long ways and shows the sponsors how impactful their sponsorship is And as long as you're letting the sponsors know you appreciate their sponsor, their support and sponsorship of the water industry education and thought leadership, why not leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Castbox, or whatever other podcast directory you're accessing the podcast on? That would be greatly appreciated. And of course, we'll help others find out about the podcast. Now it's on to our featured guest, Christoph Gorder with Charity Water. So let's get that water flowing. Well, Christoph, welcome to the water values podcast. It is wonderful to have you on. Thank you so much for coming on. How are you today?
1: I'm doing great, David. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to uh, have a conversation with you.
0: Yeah, I think this is going to be a terrific episode. Uh, Christoph, before we get kind of into the meat of the episode, though, I'd like for you to share with us uh, how you came to the water sector. How'd you get interested in it? and, And how'd you get here?
1: Great. Well, I, I, I work for a nonprofit organization called Charity Water, and my role at the organization is to oversee uh, the implementation of our programs, providing clean and safe drinking water to people who need them, uh, who need it in 21 countries across the world. And uh, I've, I've been with Charity Water for about nine years. And prior to that, I, I worked in the disaster response uh, field in the, in the medical, in the medical sector. And so I had spent 15 years going around the world, working in many of the same places that I'm working in today in in Africa and Asia. And we were working to support hospitals and clinics who were treating uh, sick people, uh, children who were, who were critically ill. And many of them were, were, were sick from waterborne diseases. And, uh, you know, sadly, many of them were dying from waterborne diseases. And so as I looked towards uh, kind of the next chapter of my my journey, uh, coming to Charity Water was really um, just really satisfactory to me because I was able to then use my talents in, in, in uh, working in development and working in, in, in Africa and Asia, use my talents and experience to really get to one of the root causes of human suffering around the world. And so, um, you know, without clean water, it's hard to imagine any – Progress happening, and and it doesn't really happen unless there's clean water. And so, uh, working on one of the foundational pieces has been uh, a big, a big source of satisfaction for me for the last nine years.
0: Awesome. Well, it's great to have you uh, at part of the water sector, uh, and what a terrific story that you've kind of transitioned from the disaster relief to the clean, clean water side of the, the equation. You, you kind of answered a little bit on my question, my next question, which was going to be kind of tell us a little about Charity Water, you know, what's its scope, mission, things like that.
1: Charity Water is a, a nonprofit organization that's been around, we've been around for about 15 years. And our mission is to provide clean and safe drinking water to people around the world. It's hard to fathom it, but there's, almost 800 million people around the world. So, you know, think one in one in nine people around the world don't have access to clean water. And this means that they are walking hours a day to a dirty water source, a, a stream or a swamp. Uh, and and the, the burdens of this, you know, fall mostly on, on women and girls, actually, because traditionally in many of these societies, they're the ones who um, go and fetch the water and bring it back. So it means You know, girls aren't going to school and in this sort of perpetual cycle of, uh, you know, having to having to go fetch dirty water, getting sick from dirty water and and not being able to make any progress. So, uh, you know, the, the great thing about the the only great thing about this this problem, which is a huge global problem, is that there's actually a solution like we actually know how to solve this problem. Uh, you know, unlike many of the world's problems like, you know, climate change or uh, social uh, equity or, uh, you know, any any number of problems that you could that you could list off. Like we, we know how to give people access to clean water. You and I have clean water at our house. And, and, and that's been figured out hundreds of years ago. So, you know, Charity Water was founded 15 years ago to address that problem. We focus mostly uh, almost exclusively on rural remote communities in uh, Southeast Asia and, and, and Africa bringing them access to clean water for the very first time, which is uh, transformational.
0: Yeah. And you know, you mentioned uh, charity water has been around about 15 years. How, do you have any sense of how it became so prominent? Because there, there's a number of clean water uh, you know, NGOs and charities, but but charity water has risen faster than most. I mean, is there, is there a secret to your success there?
1: <laughs> well, um, I, would like, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to think that we've worked really, really hard at it. Um, there are a couple of things that are really unique about charity water. And, uh, you know, I think one of the, one of the fundamental ones is, that we, we send hundred percent of the public's donations to the field to fund work in the field. And all of our operations, uh, all of our overhead, so my salary, our trips to the field, the uh, audits that we do, uh, credit card fees that, that, that are that you know PayPal or Amex would charge us on on, say, your donations, all of those are paid for by a separate set of donors. Uh, there's about 140 families or individuals who specifically opt in to pay for that, and and so that means that you know for for the person who gives us thirty dollars a month or who wants to sponsor a, a whole community at the end of the year, uh, really 100 percent of their funds go to the field. And we have found it's really helped. Uh, it's really helped increase trust and transparency for for donors. Um, you know when Scott. Uh, Scott Harrison is the founder. Uh, still the CEO. Uh, and when he founded the organization, his his belief was that the biggest challenge he was going to face was not not a, not an engineering challenge of you know how do we actually find the water underground or you know how do we avoid corruption in in the countries that we're working in or uh, it was it was the public's distrust of charities and uh, you know if you look at the stats, forty two percent of Americans don't trust charities. of Americans think the charities spend their money poorly or very poorly. And so if our mission is to give people clean water, and the way that we do that is people donate to our organization, we need to to address sort of the fundamental barrier there of trust at the beginning. And we found by creating the 100% model and saying, you know, 100% of your donations are going to go to the field. We're not using it for marketing and overhead. Somebody else is going to pay for that. And at the end of the process, we're going to prove every single project. So... You know, we're 78,000 projects in now. They're all on Google Maps. And if you got on a plane and went out there, you could hold us accountable for each one of those. So th- th- there are things about Charity Water that that, that are really unique structurally. Um, and then we've, you know, we've really tried hard to tell the story of the people that we're trying to help um, in an uplifting, hopeful way, which isn't depressing, which isn't like, mm, you know, it, it, it's just it shares the hope that we all have that we can make the world a better place. That's the secret sauce <laughs> in a nutshell. Um, and then working hard every day for 15 years.
0: Yeah. Well, what a great model you've put together. So I, I applaud you for that. Uh, you, <laughs> you, you've, you've identified uh, the problem and I, I love your, your glass half full, uh, approach to it is that there is a solution. Um, so how do you see, how do you see things changing in, in in the future to get us to the point where, uh, you know, we're, that, that solution is starting to be realized?
1: Well, you know, I, I'm in a just incredibly blessed position in my job that I spend a lot of time in the field, um, looking at projects, visiting communities that, Are getting access to clean water that got access to clean water five years ago 10 years ago and seeing firsthand the transformation that happens in the community for what's really a very small investment i mean the average community costs us about ten thousand dollars to to drill a borehole and put a hand pump on it. it it is really not that much money in the grand scheme of things and to see that transformation in the community the kids healthier um the girls going to school the moms with more time to to be able to spend with their families and farm, um, you, you know, and 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 just the reduction in disease is just is just amazing. So I get to see it on a micro level of like community by community. But then you step back and you look at, um, you know, the progress that's been made in the last couple decades in the developing world in reducing childhood mortality in increasing literacy rates in increasing uh, income rates there's a we still have so far to go we got a long long ways to go but the but we know we can make progress we're making big progress and it's um you know it's encouraging i think in my line of work you have to be an optimist like i am um at the same time you know you have to be a realist and understand that um every every inch that we gain is is, is very very hard fought and you got to really um you know, and you know, got to really work hard to make this progress. So I'm, I'm, I'm super bullish on the future. I firmly believe in my lifetime, everybody in the world is going to get access to clean water. And it's just a race to the finish line because the faster we can do it, the less people are going to die on the way. And if it takes us a long time, more kids are going to die. And if we can do it quicker, less kids are going to die. That's just the equation, but we're going to get there.
0: Yeah. Awesome. I love, I love the attitude and I love the, uh, love the mission let me ask you this. You, uh, when, when speaking about donors, you, uh, it seemed to me, you identified a lot of technology you have, you know, can pinpoint where on the map, the, the money's going. So there, there's this technological aspect, but we just talked about drilling the well and hand pumps for $10,000. What role does technology play in, in charity waters work?
1: So we've used uh, Charity character charity has always been an early adopter in technology, but for the most part, um, that's been kind of on the storytelling and communication side, getting the word out. So, you know, we were the first nonprofit to get to a million Twitter followers. For example, we were very early in um, in releasing a virtual reality film. Um, you know, we've done, we've done a lot of really innovative things in terms of, uh, you know, kind of raising the public's awareness around the water crisis and what, what actions people can take to it um, in terms of the field, um, you know, the, 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 technologies that are being used to implement, uh, water projects are sort of tried and tested. So in a, you know, in difficult operating environments, what you want to do is to go in, figure out what's working really well, and then help make it better and scale it up. Um, so if in a particular environment, the right solution is boreholes with hand pumps, um, we're going to do the best ones that you can make in that in that particular country. Um, if in other countries, uh we're doing rainwater harvesting where there's no groundwater so in you know in some some desert areas uh these are these are household rainwater harvesting systems in other areas like cambodia for example there's a lot of surface water but it's all dirty so uh we're doing household filtration devices because people can get the water pretty quickly and pretty easily uh, but they they need to filter it there are big pipe systems i think the key is for us is that the solutions need to be designed locally, and when they're designed locally, they're gonna they're they're gonna they're gonna work. Um, what we find uh, has not worked out there is to bring technologies, new, introduce new technologies from outside, and that that's been that's been you know much harder where there isn't the expertise, the knowledge, or the spare parts to keep keep that technology going. So we've scaled existing technologies where we have. Moved into new technologies and cutting edge technologies in the field has been in operations and maintenance, and specifically working with sensors, remote sensors that can go on these wells um, and monitor their performance and and transmit that to us so that if they break down, we can deploy our mechanics. So that's really cutting edge, and that's that's something we're rolling out now, um, starting to roll out around the world.
0: Yeah, can you talk a little more about uh, how, how the the role the sensors play? You know. Uh, how, how do those benefit rural communities
1: so you know the, the the communities we're serving are 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 very remote uh you know and and so if you imagine you know the last 10% of the human population on the globe that doesn't have access to clean water you know you think about just just in your minds i think about the kinds of places that they live you know far from the roads far from the villages and so um when we when we when we build projects, we spend a lot of time with the communities and and with the local governments, um, training them and getting them uh, equipped so that they can uh, you know provide all the maintenance that they need on their water systems. If you think about building a water project, the infrastructure might take you know drilling a well and putting a hand pump on it might only take two or three weeks to 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 actually do the infrastructure. But our engagement with that community and with the local government authorities, is probably a year long of training, of helping them form a management committee, of helping them decide how much each family is gonna com- contribute into the kitty for maintenance. Um, so it's, it's, it's a much bigger and uh, involves social process um, than I think people are aware of at the, at the beginning. So you set off, you build the project, you train the people, and for the most part, most you know most, most maintenance issues can be handled locally and are handled locally. But sometimes communities run into problems that they can't fix themselves. And then because of their remoteness, there are really long delays in getting the repairs. And so this is a problem across the developing world. You know, there are estimates that somewhere around 25 percent of the water systems in Africa are not functioning at any given time. And, you know, this is just unacceptable. So historically, the only way to to, to, to know that a system was down was that somebody, you know, some of the community would be proactive and, call somebody in the local government or the local NGO, um, or you could send somebody out on a motorbike and, and, you know, be surveying these communities. But those are really inefficient, expensive um, systems to, that, that become very difficult to scale. So we started looking at connected devices and sensors a few years ago. Uh, we got a big grant from Google to, um, to develop the first ever sensors for, for hand pumps, uh, which, work very differently than pipe systems. There's the, you know, the, the water sector is full of sensors for piped water systems, uh, which is, you know, how your, your water would come into your house and would come into my house. But for hand pumps, it's a very, very different uh, type of setup. And so we've now developed the, uh, the, some, some sensors. We've built them uh, to, the technology can scale, you know, we're building them to industrial standards in China We've got a cloud computing platform that can scale enormously and and we're just, we're really excited about offering this up as a tool to the whole water sector in in the developing world over the course of the next few years.
0: Yeah. Terrific. What about climate change, right? We've, we've all thought about how climate change is going to impact those of us who live in more urban areas, but what about how's climate change impacting the, the populations you serve?
1: Well, it's impacting it in two ways. Um, the, the first way is just an environmental impact. You know, the, the populations we're serving are some of the most vulnerable people in the world. And so when climate change happens and when there are, you know, uh, big weather events, you know, floods or droughts or hurricanes, uh, you know, this this is they have no safety net. Right. They're living in places with very weak or non-existent governments. They have no savings. Um, they're subsistence farmers. So if they lose the season's crops, like that's it. There's no, there's nobody who's going to come and help them. And so these are very, very vulnerable communities. And I see it all the time where if you talk to the older people, they'll say like, I've never, you know, I've, I'm 70 years old. I've never seen, you know, seasons change as much as this, uh, out there. And so, um, That's a huge, huge impact because they don't have the benefits that you and I do living in the United States, for example. Um, uh, And, you know, of insurance or FEMA or, you know, the other things that that might help us if if we get affected by a climate event. Um, With regards to the water, then we need to build the the, build the water systems to be climate resilient. Um, So this means. We are, uh, you know, making sure that they are, you know, flood proof, doing the full environmental studies on each one, uh, doing watershed protection, right, to, to make sure that the drainages and the and the, and the watersheds are, are protected around uh, around the water points. Um, and we have seen, particularly in, in some areas where they would do shallow wells, that would be hand dug wells are sort of common, cheap solutions in, in many of the countries where we work. Um, we do see those drying up in some places because of dropping, um, drop declining, uh, uh, water tables. So it's definitely real. It's affecting people. And, um, it's something we need to take into account as we think about, you know, the water systems we build need to serve people for the next 20, 30 years. And, um, you know, unfortunately we're, I think we're just going to see more and more impacts of climate change.
0: Yeah. Has, does any of your technology help address the climate change issues or is it, is it, primarily uh an o&m type of of uh look at technology
1: i mean it, no and not not directly in the sense that uh, you know our our technologies are not uh you know and our water systems are not directly um uh, contributing or or contributing to uh climate change mitigation i, I think what there, there is the argument out there that if people have clean water, they're they don't have to boil water, and so that's less carbon emissions. But I think you know the reality is the communities we're serving are not generally industrialized communities, and most carbon emissions are coming from you know industrialized agriculture, manufacturing, mining, you know heating and cooling like our cities, and you know most of these people are living the most ecologically um, uh, friendly lives that you could ever imagine. Right. Um, and, and, and so, uh, the groundwater extraction that, that, that they would be doing for their household consumption is just completely negligible when you compare it to say what, a, you know, uh, an industrial farm in California might use on a, uh, on on a given day.
0: Awesome. So what about the role that government plays? I mean, you're doing cross border deals, uh, so how, how does government impact uh, Charity Waters work?
1: Well, government is uh, local governments are a, are a stakeholder in every project that we that we undertake um, by when we set out to 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 identify areas that we're going to work in. Uh, we're specifically looking for countries and then within that particular areas of the country where uh, the government is going to be either a neutral factor or a positive factor. Um, so we, you know, there's, there's too much need out there for us to be fighting against a predatory government or, a you know, a government that doesn't want us there. Um, there there's, there, so we've looked for, you know, stable operating environments where we can actually make long, uh, long-term change. Uh, so if you look at where we work around the world, uh, you know, they're not easy places. They definitely have all sorts of, uh, challenges uh, with security and and stable government, but it's, it, you know, they're not, they're not war zones. Um, the government, the role of government is different in, in every context. Um, in Rwanda, for example, the government is a financial contributor and we have a joint venture with them. They pay 45% of the cash budget for the water systems and we pay 55% of the cash budget. Um, in most places, a more typical setup would be Uh, When we're working in a particular district, uh, there would be uh, an annual meeting where uh, our partners will sit down with uh, the local government. Uh, The local government will have their list of priorities for which communities should get access to clean water. And then uh, our folks will go out and do the assessment on those communities, and there'll be some back and forth. They'll say, well, you know, we went out and looked at your list, but these communities are actually doing okay, and these communities over here are actually not on your list, but they are much more needy. So there's be some back and forth around the planning. But say even in the most, uh, you know, some of the most resource poor environments that that I work in, there's always a local political structure. Um, there's humans are you know we we organize ourselves, we organize ourselves hierarchically, um, and so that needs to be taken into account. These are the permanent institutions that are going to be there forever, and they're going to help the sustainability of the project. So getting the local government in and trained and, and, and to have local ownership at the ground floor is really key to long-term success, regardless of where you're working and regardless of how much capacity they have, we can meet them where they are.
0: Awesome. Well, Christoph, thanks so much for that. Um, Charity Water is just a tremendous organization. It sounds like how, do how do people get involved with Charity Water if they choose to do so?
1: Well, I would say, you know, the first thing is just jump on our website or follow us on Instagram or or, or Twitter. Um, you know, the 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 storytelling is great. We are uh, we are trying to get the word out about people around the world who need your help. And then, uh, you know, the way we do it is people donate to Charity Water and 100 percent goes to the field. And there really isn't an amount that's too small. So, on average, globally, it costs us about forty dollars to give one person access to clean water. And you just think about like that's what you pay to go out to dinner, or, or you know, it. And you think about the impact that you can have for forty bucks on one single person, and how that'll impact their their lives. You think about that for a family of five or a village of two hundred and fifty, where you know it's ten thousand dollars will 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 cover the water you know, build a water system for a village of 250 people. So, um, there's, there's a lot of ways to help. Um, it's, we're, 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 we've built a really effective way to take people's contributions and turn them into positive change for families around the world. And, um, you know, we'd love to, we'd love to have all your listeners, part of our community and join our join our community, give monthly, give one time, um, or just come on and, and, um, check out some of the stories about some of the work that we're doing.
0: Cool. So, so you've, uh, you, you mentioned the monthly donor, uh, uh, you know, the monthly donations. Do you have a special like, um, name for, for that community of, of common contributors?
1: Yeah. So it's called the spring. Um, we, we have, uh, there, there are, there are about 75,000 people who've come together and are are donating uh, every single month. Um, It's, it's an amazing community. It's a fun community uh, that we're, that we're uh, constantly building every day. Um, I'd encourage everybody to join. You can join for as little as $5 a month. Um, You know, as I said, a very common number would be like $40 a month and that in the course of the year, then you would give clean water to, uh, 12 people, which is like two full families. So I, I mean, the way I think about things very concretely, like I just like I live in my house and I think, OK, in the next year, by giving 40 bucks a month, if I could give clean water to the two houses next to me, to those two families that I know, would I do that? 100 percent. Like that would be like it would be a no brainer. So um, the spring's an awesome community. It really helps us when people commit to monthly giving, because it helps us planning in, you know, our projects out into the future, we can count on them. Um, And, and it's been, it's been a huge, huge help for, uh, for us in, in growing the movement. So again, joining the spring would be, would be uh, our, our greatest wish for all of you guys.
0: (laughs) Great. Well, Christoph, what would, what would be your uh, parting message? What's your leave behind? I think what the message
1: we want to, The message we want to give people is that every one of us can make a difference. And some of us can make a bigger difference than others, but every one of us can take an action and help make the world a better place. And um, we would invite you to do that at Charity Water, um, but we would also invite you to do that at any number of charities uh, in your community or around us that are doing amazing work. Um, because if each one of us is just a little bit more generous and helps other people, the, the, the leverage of that just is so transformational around the world, um, that it's, uh, it's what inspires us. And, and we've seen it work, uh, for, you know, kids that gave $10 and for very wealthy people who gave, you know a million dollars um, and all of us all of us can make a change in the world and, and we'd invite you to do that
0: awesome uh, and for those who want to learn more about charity water or find out more about it you've you've mentioned twitter and instagram but uh, could you tell us some other ways that folks can learn about charity water
1: sure you can uh, jump on our website at charitywater.org um, and uh, you'll find all the information there there's some you know some great information about our programs there's a lot of detailed information and, you know, if you, uh, if you want to go even deeper into the technical stuff, you can always uh, send us an email at info at And we have a team there that will help get you to the right
0: person. Awesome. Well, Christoph, thank you so much for joining us. You enlightened us for sure. It's been great speaking with you and uh, thanks so much. Have a great holiday.
1: Great. Thanks for having me, David.
0: You bet. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Well, all right. Who's ready to join the spring? What an awesome interview by Christoph. Charity Water's work is so important, and we should all be thankful to people like Christoph and Scott Harrison, who f- who uh, founded Charity Water, uh, that they are out there bringing solutions for clean water to those in need. Thank you very much to everyone at Charity Water. Well, I would love to know what you thought about the interview. Please check out the show notes uh, for this interview. Uh, episode on our landing page over at Bluefield Research. Again, as always, Bluefield Research and the Water Values podcast are not affiliates. We just have a joint marketing arrangement, and Bluefield Research gives us a home on the web. So thank you very much to Bluefield. Um, You can just Google the Water Values podcast and click the first link that comes up. That is our landing page over on Bluefield's site. Uh, You can also tweet about the podcast using the hashtag Water Values and tweet at me using my handle at dtm one nine nine three. You can email me at David.McGimsey at and you can sign up for the Water Values newsletter at that landing page I mentioned earlier as well. Well, thank you all for tuning in again, and I hope everyone is having a wonderful start to their holidays and, have, and end up having a great holiday. Plus, I want to give a huge thank you to our sponsors. Again, sponsors of the Water Values podcast include Black & Veatch, Can Do, Woodard & Curran, Interra, Xylem and the American Waterworks Association. This show would not be possible without those great companies and industry leaders and the support that they give us. So happy holidays to all. In closing, please remember to keep the core message of the Water Values Podcast in mind as you go about your daily business. Water is our most valuable resource, so please join me by going out into the world and acting like it.